Hey, this is Alex Hicken with the Very Hicken Bros Podcast. Welcome to the 34th episode. We have a lot of uh, topics again by Trevor, so I'll be giving you like a little break in between his <laughs> with my topics. We have a couple of fun things that we've uh, done in our life recently so we'll start talking with them about those things the first thing is that trevor uh watched a movie called uh, whisker away what did you want to say about that trevor i've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time produced by studio colorido it's a good movie it was released on June 18th in Japanese and then dubbed uh, 28th due to uh, COVID-19 causing production delays. But it's on Netflix, so if you are interested, you can go ahead and watch it too. It's about this girl named Mio, and she is um, interested in this boy at school. But before that all happens, she was like at a festival, and she like was given by this mysterious cat this cat mask and then she can use that mask to turn into a cat oh i thought you said he turned i thought you said that she turned into a cat so you could put on the mask and turn into a cat and somehow take it off later yeah how would a cat take off the mask later i don't know about that <laughs> uh using uh thoughts i guess i don't know anyways <laughs> She uh, uses it and uh, becomes closer to the boy she likes, Kendo. It's interesting. I like the animation in general. It's lively and Mm -hmm. pretty chill. The mysterious cat guy, he reminds me of like a Studio Ghibli villain. (laughs) So he's cool. Then it it gets into like the family cat and a lot of interesting things happen with that. And they go into his cat land and it's all pretty awesome. I don't want to give away too much of what happens, but I like it. It's a good movie. How many films has this studio done? Any famous ones? Um, Let's see. It has done four, five, six. Oh, and they also did uh, Twilight Wings. Twilight Wings? That's something I know. That's pretty good. Yeah. They also have uh, done another movie I want to watch, Penguin Highway. Penguin Highway. (laughs) Yeah, that's... That, I think uh, you're a cat person and a penguin person, so those are pretty high priorities for you. Yeah. I was looking up like what one of the voice actors was, and for the, the mask keeper, he's the same voice that voices uh, Torbjorn in Overwatch, so I thought that was pretty funny. Nice. Yeah. So I would rate it like uh, 8 out of 10. I wouldn't say it's Studio Ghibli, like insane, like crazy fantasy or like off the wall intensity. But it's like a kind of slice of life plus mm-hmm. like a little fantasy added in and romance. So it's good. Yeah, I, I like slice of life. 
Yeah, a little, a little bit of the other stuff. So it might be good to watch. It has a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes and an average of 7.78. So it's common consensus. That's good. Yeah, you're right in there. Yeah. Did you have something that you did this week that was fun? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a little hard uh, adapting to my work, but I finally figured it out, I think, yesterday. <laughs> It was kind of fun. The first thing I did is that my project manager asked me to help uh, this uh, electrician, and he had me put a bell end on the end of some PVC, and I pushed up some uh, medium voltage wire and the grounding wire up into a transformer. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of work. You said it was like three inches wide? Oh, uh, it's more like two inches, maybe maybe an inch and a half oh no oh, it's pretty thick wire i had to put three of those thick wires and push it into a five inch um wide pvc pipe <laughs> yeah that sounds fun <laughs> yeah i never uh, i never put a bell end on a, a pvc pipe and i did i learned a lot of stuff i learned how to use a pickaxe too because we were putting pvc in a trench but the post that we were nice. the post that we were attaching the pvc to was not aligned very well with the trench so i broke off the side of the trench so it won't be so hard for the electricians to put the pvc in because if you don't have um the trench aligned very well with the post then the angle of the pvc will go out in weird ways so you have to break it off so it could align better with the other pvc yeah it's a lot of work I'm a little sore, but not as bad as I thought or other people might think. Right. <laughs> they think I'm a little, uh, they think I don't, I don't have much strength or uh, think I'm a little wimpy or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I've only mm. used a pickaxe to like break ground. I don't think I've actually used it to like destroy or cut away things. Yeah, I kind of was able to prove that I am a hard worker just as much as anybody else. Yeah, it's good. So that was uh, my week. <laughs> Finally figured out how to work in a way that my project manager would like me to. Yeah, then you uh, got some fun food afterwards, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I celebrated because life has been a little hard and <laughs> I wanted to celebrate and I got a pineapple burger <laughs> nice uh, but it wasn't actually i don't know the ingredients listed on all the other the burgers said uh, that there was a burger in it but when in this big kahuna burger it didn't say it had a burger so i thought it might be vegetarian but there was still a burger on it yeah i was fine with it, it would have been cool if it was just like uh it wasn't like a pineapple cut <laughs> like grilled into it that'd be fun <laughs> Yeah, what's his name? Lou on the Lou Later podcast. They're talking about the new trend where they grill um, watermelon. Yeah. And eat that as a burger. So I was wondering if it was going to be like that, but it wasn't. Dang. Yeah, it reminds me, uh, speaking of like construction, uh, Japan's been working on like a Studio Ghibli theme park. I'm really excited for that because it sounds so cool. So they now they have three areas under construction. One of them is called the Hill of Youth, and it's inspired by Whisper of the Heart and Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. They have a giant warehouse area. It's based on Spirited Away. 
then the Don Doko forest that takes its inspiration from uh, My Neighbor Totoro. The land, the environment of these films are so big. I would imagine that these areas have to be really big. Yeah. Like all these big hills and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's going to be five areas. There's two more that they haven't started working on. It's like the uh, Mononoke Village. Um, Princess Mononoke, and then the Witch Valley, which is inspired by uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, and How's Moving Castle again. Yeah, those are all fun films. Yeah, it's expected to start development in the, those areas in 2021. They want to open it in uh, 2022. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably need that. <laughs> some For some reason, construction always get delayed, but... Some some owners are able to push it and make things work, <laughs> get it on time. Yeah, it seems like uh, Studio Ghibli is back at it, but his son, I think, is working on the la- uh, next one. Is the first CGI animated effort. Mm. So, be interesting. I wonder if he could live up to the name. Yeah, it's supposed to be next year, twenty twenty one, winter. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Was Avatar all CGI? I don't know. It, Avatar wasn't CGI. You're thinking of uh, the one that they did afterwards, the Dragon Prince. Dragon Prince? No, I'm talking about the actual Avatar movies with the blue guys. Oh, that's that's like the realistic CGI. This is like CGI is like animation. Oh, hmm. that's interesting. Kind of like the Dragon Prince. Remember that show? Yeah, I watched part of that. I kind of lost interest. <laughs> so, oh, they're making a CGI one of those. Okay, ready for my new thing for this week? Yeah, what is it? For the past month or so, I've been trying to figure out how to incorporate uh, cryptocurrency in my life. And I've been saying, oh, Ethereum's... Uh, debit card options are mostly in beta and you you're on like a pre-order list and it's it's a little slow but uh, (laughs) i realized i had a cryptocurrency debit card this whole time (laughs) i had this cash app card (laughs) this whole time and i figured oh i could might as well uh invest in bitcoin because Ethereum is still developing, taking its time. Nice. So I bought my, I yeah, I have some c- cryptocurrency, but I bought my official currency this uh, today. My logic of how I'm using this is that I get paid per diem, and it's my money to live off of here in Texas. Yeah. So I'm just going to take that money and put it on my card and use it for my own stuff because that's what it's for so yeah that's what i'm doing with my pretty money i have uh come into an issue an issue is that uh i live at a hotel and they kind of care if you have money in your card <laughs> so i can't just have all of my money in bitcoin and just sell it whenever I need it. They want to know I have some money inside there. <laughs> so they could just take it when my period is up. Hmm. 
So I I paid with my cash card today and for some reason it charged again and I went down and like asked like why is it charging again? It declined twice. It already charged once. Why are you charging it again? And they said like, Oh, well, I was just authorizing for next week so like okay. <laughs> yeah, so you had to like save a, a little bit before. And yeah, so I, I had to I don't know if I have to keep that money inside there. I don't know how often they check if there's money in there or what. Maybe I'll put the money into Bitcoin on Monday and see if it still checks throughout the week. I don't know. That is my experience. It's really simple. Yeah. Um it charged me about three and a half dollars to make the transaction and I already made that money back and it's up a dollar so <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see that my money is fluctuating and uh, it's going up yeah um, makes sense yeah so it went up like yeah it went up like five percent today my uh, my increase or the worth inquiries already paid for the transaction fees and it's only been there for like 12 hours so it's pretty good yeah i mean you wouldn't really do it if you weren't uh, expecting any increase in value because it would be uh loss in <laughs> money value that's my experience with my crypto card yeah speaking of assets uh, pokemon cereals uh cool asset to buy in the future <laughs> yeah they're bringing it back yeah um, it might be worth a lot of money yeah it came out in like the 2000s and uh, they brought it back <laughs> it's coming back later this year and it's pretty cool it's basically like uh, <laughs> Captain Crunch but uh, Pokemon so they have red blue but <laughs> they have like Pikachu heads and tails and you can eat them and the headline that says, oh, get like Alakazam and grab those spoons for an all-new Pokemon cereal, a berry bowl. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's like that Lucio O's <laughs> box. I'm definitely going to buy a Pokemon cereal thing. Captain Crunch? Is it the same old O stuff? What? No. Wait, what? Uh, is it, will it have uh, marshmallows in it? No. It's like Pokemon it's like different berry things stay around and the red and blue and then they have Pikachu heads. Oh yeah. Yeah, I haven't had Captain Crunch in a long time. I have a couple other things. One's a analog pocket Game Boy is uh, about to be pre-readable. And then Sega President uh, resigned. The I, I talked about this like as soon as it was announced, like nine months ago in uh, December last year. They finally have pre-orders coming up next week. I think it's a really cool design. It basically looks like a modernized Game Boy with L and R buttons on the back where the cartridges were good and going to. Mm-hmm. It's 200 bucks, but it has a 615 PPI IPS display that's at 3.5 inches and 4300 mAh uh, battery so you can play for six hours between charges a headphone jack type c port and a micro sd card reader sounds like a yeah and the design i really like uh how clean it is it's not the 
the rounded edges and like the it's not super rounded like the DS is kind of uh, mm-hmm. rigid on the sides. They also have a pocket dock that they are uh, also going along with for the Game Boy. So if you'd like dock it, you can plug in like controllers and dock it to your TV. I think it's interesting. I think it's a good idea because it plays like Game Boy, Game Gear, and uh, Neo Geo and just every cartridge basically. How does it play the cartridges? Uh, you put it in the back. It's like a little cartridge slot, kind of like the old Game Boys. Do you use like an emulator or something to put it on the cartridges? No. How do they all fit? They don't... <laughs> um, it, I'm assuming that the the slots are, are, are um, optimized to... When you put it into it, it actually slots in and it doesn't move. So I don't think it's a problem, right? I think there's a few different slots, maybe. I don't know. Can't... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about the actual, like, old uh, Sega Genesis gigantic cartridges. Oh, no, no. I'm s- this is portable. <laughs> this is like. I forgot about the the size of. Uh, That'd be the huge. Game Gear. And <laughs> no, this is uh, this is your portable co- uh, cartridges. Yeah, the those cartridges were smaller. <laughs> yeah. This is probably the same size, like, of a Game Boy. Uh, I mean, a um, Sega Genesis cartridge. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be slanted for a May 2021 release, so you kind of have to wait a while for it to be uh, released. Probably because COVID-19 pushes everything back, but I don't know if I'll invest in it today, but yeah, I'll maybe pick one up later on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then out of uh, nowhere, the Sega president, Kenji Matsubara, Resigns. He uh, he cited personal reasons. He was the president from 2017 to uh, a few days ago, 2020. So he had a good three years. I feel like in the last three years he's been pretty successful. I don't think I've heard any like super bad ideas come out of Sega. They did the um, Sega Genesis Mini, so that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. And they had a lot of good games that came out of there. Apparently, he also worked at uh, Tecmo Koi and <laughs> Zynga Japan. That's like one of those mobile gaming uh, companies. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have a question, Trevor. What? If you were the next CEO of Sega, what would you do? Um, I would probably work on a good Sonic game because that's what we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd probably make some, uh, maybe like a subscription plan for Sega games so you can play it on other consoles or make like a streaming box for your own gaming. I don't know. Yeah, that could be a good idea. Then you could kind of ease your way into, uh, uh, what's it called? Consoles again. You get a streaming box where you could. Yeah, that way you don't have to like have hardware. You just have like, uh, enough hardware to stream and then you don't have cartridges so you don't have to invest into physical assets so everything is a subscription and you have a passive income and you just release games on the the console and the only way to buy it is play these new Sega games would be on that console so you have them locked in basically or you have like a year or two like yeah a year or two subscription make Sega exclusive again yeah 
You can like have it look like a Dreamcast or something, and people will be all over it. <laughs> Bring back the Dreamcast controller and have the little screen put in your pocket and have a little <laughs> thing there. Yeah, then you could play it on the road. <laughs> yeah, you could just see your little chow and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's silly. <laughs> yeah, it it could have been good, but PlayStation was a little uh, more aggressive than them. They were a little Sega was a little too big and dominant, and uh, yeah, the Dreamcast was just a few like what couple years early, so like they were ahead of their time, kind of like a lot of other things that happen in the tech industry but obviously they didn't yeah weren't they like playstation 2 level and like the early 90s or something um yeah i mean they had a lot better graphics than 64 but uh not as good as gamecube that was like a couple years before they came out they had like sonic adventure and soul Calibur and some other exclusive sega games well that'd be exciting We'll see what the new CEO can do. Yeah, they don't even have, like, since it's out of the blue, I don't think they have any, like, idea of who to, to pick out of everyone, you know? <laughs> Somehow they've been surviving. Texas is, uh, has some great news over here in Austin. This is my uh, little uh, self-driving car update. I'm not too into self-driving semi-trucks. <laughs> um, I joked about it last time. Had this topic come up a few times and we say the same thing. <laughs> but uh, the Tesla is going to build a gigafactory yeah. at uh, Austin, Texas. It's supposed to be like gigantic, right? Yeah, it's uh, actually going to be a, a super gigafactory. <laughs> it's Gigantamax factory. <laughs> it's uh, 2,000 acres <laughs> and most of the land is like good for building that's good um the land in uh nevada is about the same size but most of the land is not good for building on wow <laughs> it's a 15 minute drive away from austin but it's gonna huh. be like tesla land over there <laughs> they're making uh the cyber truck and the tesla um semi i think it'll be a good place because texas is like known for loving their trucks yeah semis and transporting goods across the world or not the world the nation <laughs> <laughs> yeah elon musk is not all uh production and factory he's also promising to make it a ecological paradise on this uh, 2000 acres i don't have much uh, details into it but uh this is my little uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's self-driving car update to transition between the many topics <laughs> that Trevor has. <laughs> I wonder how um, he said a uh, ecological, right? So is he, I wonder if he's going to just go through and like beautify it, adding natural um, things everywhere. And, yeah, that's um, really important to grow uh, plants that is native to that place. 
they kind of did that over at the apple project too there was a bunch of trees that were like endangered and apple restored kind of like the population of it they brought up a bunch of trees it had some story that i forgot but uh yeah it'd be kind of nice if uh, maybe that land may be damaged or something or they'll probably hey, do a bunch of excavation so it will be damaged <laughs> but they will have to restore it and uh hopefully it restores some uh, unique um, Texas uh, yeah I mean they probably won't like introduce invasive plants there that like just take over yeah yeah there's there's a lot of life over here um, I, I took a picture of a little frog <laughs> I saw some frogs jumping around in my hotel and I saw a turtle um, as I was walking to Walmart and yeah there's a lot of yeah life a lot of amphibious and water creatures <laughs> mm. well i probably just noticed them because they're my favorite animals <laughs> yeah consumer electronic show uh was canceled well actually we we got the last physical one this year at the tail end i guess right Mm-hmm. And then started COVID season, but uh, for the next year in 2021, they've confirmed that it's going to be online only. They still let showgoers hear from technology innovators, and instead of like being there in person, they're going to have like a uh, a single line in announcement. There'll be a new inverse quote, uh, new immersive experience where attendees will have a front row seat to discover and see the latest technology but they also said that there's not gonna have low avatars or mini around booths <laughs> they want to create a trade show for the future uh-huh. so they say they're gonna allow they're gonna allow people to like register as media and provide a venue for gated events and expand upon existing streaming media initiatives yeah, so, I mean, it still means, like, they still want to, like, uh, recreate the excitement of bumping into other showgoers and stumbling across something, like, unexpected or things like that. This year has been very creative for conferences and uh, shows and stuff, so... Yeah, it's this sounds a lot like what they uh, did with E3 this year. Instead of going, like, few days in one week, they extended it over uh, this last month, I think, and continuing on through this month or ending of this month. It's like uh, they call it the summer days. Basically, every day or so, there's a few companies that will show off uh, some kind of presentation trailer for a game or development or interviews or some kind of thing for video game related entertainment. So it's not like super. Yeah, Trevor and I were talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it it seems like uh, our idea is not that far from it. We're saying like, oh, maybe they'll do like a live stream, like, and they seem they said that single line. What was that thing you said? A. Uh... It seems like they're gonna have one presenter at a time, and uh, I don't know how often they'll do it, but I think they should do it like all day long because the there's so much innovation and so much presenters you can't just do a few a day you'll be there for you'll be doing CES like the whole year long <laughs> yeah I wonder what I imagine it to be is like 
maybe you have like a map and people are like there and if you like join like a, a room or something they'll be there to show you alongside maybe like a zoom something like that you know like the people are there and they have their products there so you can just pop in like oh hey and then maybe someone else will come in and pop in at the same time and they're like oh look it's the guy from verge or whatever yeah there are some social media apps or social networking apps that are kind of like yeah so uh, i'm expecting it to be like that maybe they'll have like a uh schedule of presentations for people that will be online and then from there people can sign up and schedule times they can go in and be live and uh watch and see what the news product maybe ask questions get answers and go on with the next product and find like that's what i ex- hmm. that's why my thoughts are you know like that would be a good idea because they, they said they're not gonna have like avatars roaming around so or maybe they could make a whole like cs app where it's like a social networking app also and maybe you could have like augmented reality products so you could use your phone as augmented reality and like maybe see the devices out on like, like your table and stuff mixed reality so you can like see what it is That'd be kind of interesting your space yeah it's like you you're looking at a tv and you like set it on your tv stand <laughs> Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, I think that they'll do a good job of it. I mean, they probably don't want to miss the opportunity to uh, form the future of what to expect out of events being canceled and kind of uh, innovate and be like the pioneers of a tech-oriented show that's online. I feel like this year would be the best year to kind of like buckle down and get it all figured out. So then the future, if this does... Like, maybe they won't have CES in person, save a bunch of money, and then people can do it this way from now on, or whatever they figure it out. Yeah, this is uh, more of an opportunity than something to be discouraged about. Yeah, and um, I have another topic. Uh, Speaking of innovators in tech, not exactly this, but uh, this is coming out of who started Reliance Industries. I thought it was interesting because... We don't know anything uh, very much about uh, this startup, you could say. They formed Reliance Geo 2019. They got billions of dollars uh, funded by Google, Facebook, and other tech giants. So. Did, you, did you hear that Amazon bought almost 10% for like $6 billion or something like that? Wow. Yeah, so the family, well, this is actually a family-owned uh, business. They say it's the richest family business, according to this magazine called Style. Um, mm-hmm. And it's talking about Muskish and Nita, the $77 billion fortune. It says the family is, they have like a 27 Floyd palace but they didn't always have that they started off actually selling fried food <laughs> so it says uh Amboni senior was born in 1932 and uh his father was a teacher in a village school but because he wasn't very interested in like going to school he was more interested in making money he would skip school and watch the street life and see how they <laughs> sold go- goods so his mother would like reprint him and but he would like sell a fried food called bahia over the weekends then with that money he uh mm-hmm. he well it says he went to school 
finished uh, school and trading firm as a gas attendant and the office clerk. He was promoted and saved all of his money to come home and start his own business. And he started a polyester yarn import slash export company <laughs> and eventually founded Reliance Commercial Corporation and got a small flat with his wife. Says the first IPO of Reliance attracted more than 50,000 investors. Then he spotted like gaps in the market, um, work ethic and using innovative ideas. He saw like tactile and petrochemical companies and became like a powerhouse across the globe. So he he's kind of like dabbled and saw opportunity in spots where he would recognize is lacking, I guess. I think that's a pretty big uh, thing with Reliance Geo right now because he's saying that most people in India have uh, the work off uh, 2G. <laughs> that's a pretty big opportunity for him because he's they're going to jump straight to... 5g it seems <laughs> so he's making he's making the gap jumping from two to five he has like few quotes it's like true entrepreneurship comes from risk taking and it says we cannot change our rulers but we can change the way they rule us it says i consider myself a pathfinder i've been excavating the jungle and making the road for others to walk i like to be the first in everything i do i feel like he's like one of those people like He's ambitious, so he, hmm. instead of just, like, conforming to the norm of, like, an Indian society, he's like, I'm going to go do more. I'm going to create this, like, industry I want to, like, in like not innovate, but, like, entrepreneur, right? He wants to, like, create a, a change in India. Within those companies, um, he has, like, a bunch of different subsidiaries. I was looking up in Wikipedia. Uh, among those were the Geo Platforms Limited, which is the one that was restructured in October last year. Um, that's one we've been talking about lately with the WhatsApp and Zoom lookalikes. They have Reliance Retail, Reliance Life Science, Reliance Institute of Life Science, they have a bunch of different, like, subsidiaries. And all of these are, like, branches of the huge corporation they have. Reliance Solar, <laughs> Reliance, like, Clinical Research Services. It, the list goes on. It's, mm -hmm. There's a lot of different, like, things he started and it's gotten into, so it's crazy. And that all started just from s skipping school and selling fried goods in the weekends. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I wanted to talk a little about solar. I'm in the solar industry, the renewable energy kind of building it. And I want to talk about this new, it's not really new, they've been around for about eight years. But uh, some colleagues at MIT were working together. They wanted to make the product that could harvest uh, solar energy but you don't really need all of the silicone and stuff that is in typical solar panels they actually use uh, organic solar cells they apply organic layers um, depositing it on glass or they could just do it on any other surface and with just standard glass coating equipment it, right now the power conversion is it's a new technology so it's about half the normal um, photovoltaic uh, panels 
They have a max of about uh, 9.8% efficiency. Um, if you could put this on basically anything and make everything like a solar panel, mm-hmm. you could just put on devices and make everything like absorb energy. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I don't know how it would interfere with like uh, antennas and phones but like most phones nowadays have glass bags so might as well put some solar technology and keep it charged during the day (laughs) yeah then i don't know how much it'll and maybe i'll keep it alive maybe if it just keeps it alive then it's always 100 percent. there's no need to charge it (laughs) and then you won't even need a battery if it's always alive yeah it's just you probably don't want your phone lying in the sun all day (laughs) Uh, yeah, but I might, oh, they say that they're ready for, uh, mass production, but I might be a few years early talking <laughs> because they plan to be like full scale in 2023. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. So in a few years, I might talk about this again, or I might not <laughs> because I already talked about this huh. a few years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 2020 hopefully they can that'd be cool to see like it hit the markets and hopefully more people can compete and lower the price is it like affordable or is it like yeah it is affordable they say it's cost effective in production and they the equipment is standard equipment so they're not making like a bunch of new technology so speaking about uh not new really technology we have a couple of phones the 4a is about to be announced on the third of uh august we <laughs> know from leaks that it's uh but should carry the snapdragon 765 5g and have uh, one camera set up like the old pixel 3 line that's just going to be an overall good phone starting leaked at 350 so it's going to undercut the Nord price a little bit yeah i was editing the the podcast talking about the pricing and stuff today isn't that like a hundred dollars less if you yeah if you're on a budget yeah it's a good option plus google's reliable for updates just as good as OnePlus, and it's more accessible google's actually in the u.s <laughs> yeah they they don't need to research the right. oh. market to know that the united states is where you should sell yeah there are rumors <laughs> that noid's gonna have a series so Maybe they have a, a variant in the U.S. for for the release here in the States. I hope it's true. I don't know if I'll get it since my phone started to act up on me and half the screen's green, so probably have to pick one out tomorrow <laughs> and get it shipped to me within the next week. I don't want it to, like, die on me and then have, like, half a black screen. And <laughs> but you sh- shouldn't you be uh, enjoying the green Oh, I love green, but not when, like, like I'm trying to watch a video. I, a good thing is, like, YouTube <laughs> and most, like, video apps, they use less than half the screen on top. So I can still watch videos and <laughs> the audio still works, so it's not like it's a big hinder. Oh, man. Snapchat isn't really good for you. Yeah, I wasn't never, like, a Snapchat person, so it's not really a loss in my... Snapchat is known for, like, a full screen videos. Yeah, I, I don't watch Quibi, so that's not anything I have to worry about. 
Whilst we're looking at like different phones, apparently the LG Velvet is good, but um, I mean, like it has a good design language. It has good curves. The cameras look nice, but it seems like it's not really like for the price. I think it's like six hundred dollars or so. Like for the bezel it has and the notch it has, it's kind of twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. They say that the 765 is good, but the software doesn't look great. So it's still the classic LG way that you're used to. They haven't really improved upon it. Cameras are good. Hmm. They have a primary 48, but the sensors aren't that great. I mean, like, I was looking forward to, I don't know, hopefully having a, a good LG phone again. Yeah. They have a good battery life, uh, 4,300, so you can get, like, most of the day through and get home and charge it when you get back. Hmm. It does have... They don't seem to be in- innovating as much as... Yeah, so, like... Want them to. My favorite phones from LG were back when they were starting and innovating on the V-Line. The V10 had those, like sidebars to keep it from like denting because they're like steel so if you dropped it basically you're just hitting the side of the uh, uh, like a steel rod and not affecting the phone mm-hmm. they kind of g- gone away with that mm-hmm. after the v20 and the 30 but it was still like industrial i feel like maybe over the years they've lost a lot of money in these like high-end devices yeah maybe that's how they Hmm. got to this state down to the lg velvet line it's like a mid-ranger but it's like a premium look it's not like you're getting like a cheapo phone like a plastic i don't know se or something yeah it looks more elegant kind of a little more gentle or delicate yeah you still get like wireless charging water resistance and 5g just like for the value 600 bucks i feel like might as well at that point get if you can get your hands in like the oneplus nord yeah you can max it out max out the specs on that yeah you can get like what 12 12 gigs of ram and like 256 storage instead of what lg is off i think they have like 128 <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love lg yeah. i wish they would get back to like the I feel like what they could do is like make the V20, just get rid of all the bars and just improve upon that design. That was a good design, I thought. Hmm. I don't know. And I guess for the dual, dual screen option on the Velvet, it's another $200. So that adds up basically into 800 mm. I don't know. Like, Just get like a flagship phone at the po- that point. Yeah. The dual screen even has the same notch. It's not even a real notch. It's like a... a f- a fake notch just to match the screen on this the original display <laughs> maybe they should cut it down to four hundred dollars yeah and add 200 for the second screen yeah they tend to do that for uh, initial release is full price but like usually down the line like within months you can find it like a hundred or two hundred dollars off so i mean if you like the design wait a few months i'd say then get it then well I, I don't know if that's a good strategy because then if you start out with the starting price and then change it how would people know you just think of the starting price lg is <laughs> also um in a position to help uh apple with the iphone 12 they're gonna provide 60 million uh oled panels to uh apple nice. because they're trying to like uh, lay off the reliance they have on samsung displays because they rumored to have paid like 915 million last year 
and then I mean they said they weren't happy with the um, the yield of the OLED panels from last year from LG, but I guess hmm. it's better to support LG than Samsung in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Almost a whole billion in one year of displays. Yeah, um, they were considering Bowie, B-O-E, mm-hmm. um, but it seems like they um, don't have the quality up to what they expect uh so maybe further down next year or something for the next uh production line production of like the iphone 12 for the next iteration so yeah lg's uh still buying uh apple i remember last year huawei like had a pretty big figure and for for a few weeks they had uh the number one spot in uh devices sold and i feel like they've done it again this year so the second quarter this year, they've made it to um, 55.8 million devices. Hmm. It says uh, because of COVID, this actually helped the Chinese economy recover. So they all invested into buying the home brand of Huawei. <laughs> so compared to other companies like Samsung, they only saw a 5% loss compared to Samsung's 30%. Mm-hmm. And that's with the sanction against yeah. Huawei aimed to cripple the thing, not sanctioned with. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, they still are top. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how sanctions on countries don't really do much. We've had sanctions on Iran for years, and they say that they're complying, but... Uh, yeah, it's hard to know what they are actually doing, and they don't really do much reform. <laughs> like, I, I never agreed with the sanction about cutting out Huawei because Huawei is a great brand and would have uh, encouraged more competition here to um, improve their phone quality and compete well. But whatever. <laughs> but I don't think China plays fair in competition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've done. I took a class about China, and yeah, they don't only control and have very cheap, extremely cheap labor, and and so much that there's like basically free labor. <laughs> Plus, they control a lot of the resources, so that's basically free, also. <laughs> Um, yeah, so <laughs> most everything for them is really inexpensive if you control basically the price of everything. So you basically destroy all uh, competition if you could undermine everything. <laughs> so yeah. what competition are they providing if they're destroying everything and destroy innovation by stealing it and destroying the resources and destroying people's lives by forcing them to work still but i mean design phone designs aren't stolen they definitely created their own phone designs and the camera modules screen uh displays and software development also you can't really create i mean you could steal code but i mean they still improved upon it and worked their cameras to work just as well as LGs and stuff, but yeah, that's my China yeah. brand. <laughs> I just 
I mean, they did it without. <laughs> they did. They don't need the U.S. They've proven that. So yeah. I mean, they, it didn't really do what Trump is expected it to do. They didn't cripple them. They're doing better than Apple and Samsung. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my next topic has to do with China. Also, I kind of don't like talking about China. <laughs> I almost didn't talk about it, but it's an AR company and they're making it's actually a success story for augmented reality. The this company is called uh, Rokid. They are starting to consider expanding their services. Their success this year has mainly been designing AR headsets that could scan for people's temperatures. And they've made billions of dollars in this. They have provided it to their country and um, I believe Russia and Germany. They also have showed interest in their augmented reality temperature sensing hardware so it just shows the temperature or is it heat sensing it senses the heat it scans up to like 10 people at a time so it's like what technology you might see in airports in the army or searching the dark because when it's dark out you can still sense heat find people that way yeah yeah i don't think it's it's not super innovative <laughs> the technology has been around maybe they, they're not selling it for cheap the price is that they're selling it for thousands of dollars each <laughs> but it seems like what they're doing is they are making it a, a less like intrusive look you know instead of having those huge goggles that, like, yeah their designs are really good yeah instead of having like those crazy spider looking goggles on you actually just put on these glasses and you could see through and mm-hmm. see if there's whatever you're looking for with the heat i mean i could see a bunch of practical uses for it this company is going the way of the rest of um ar they're going uh enterprise trying they're thinking about uh yeah, I was reading the article and they talk, They talked about other headsets. Yeah. And they said that Unreal is still preparing to do a consumer um, augmented reality headset. So it's uh, they're racing uh, Apple to get it out before then. Um, they were awarded in it, CES. I was looking for Unreal and how I could buy uh, one of their new headsets because, yeah, as I said, most of these companies are just aiming for enterprise and Unreal is basically like the last one. There might be others, but they're making augmented reality technology designed for normal people like us. And we should, unless you want your money to keep on making the most valuable company even more valuable, (laughs) Apple. I think we'll see Apple's version coming soon, so that should be... We should, yeah, we should keep uh, Unreal in mind. Yeah, the the headset, the Unreal, was shown in CES, and it was hmm. it looked uh, kind of like glasses, but kind of like off angle. <laughs> it's like a weird angle looking glass. <laughs> they they seem to be normal looking, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully it's not too expensive. Yeah, um, the Unreal, they're gonna they said that they're gonna sell those for only five hundred dollars. Fun. So unless Apple can beat that. I'm going with Unreal. 
You got some competition there. I don't think Apple's going to beat it. If anything, they're going to sell it for more and uh, have the Apple, Apple, you know, price on it. So Yeah, you know, Apple price. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for Unreal. I want the uh, augmented reality headset, and I am not Enterprise. Yeah. Yep, yep. NASA, he, uh, the... Yeah, NASA, regular NASA. <laughs> they uh, successfully launched uh, the new rover, Perseverance, on its way to Mars. It's not there yet. I found two articles. The second one has details <laughs> of how, how this rover is. It's a 2,260-pound beast. Wow. It's pretty heavy. It's the largest, most advanced rover. It's pretty cool. They launched it successfully the 30th at 750. Mm-hmm. The launching was great timing, and they're actually surprised how they were still able to launch it and the timing they did, because despite all the COVID interferences, they were able to push through and get it out. There was even an earthquake 20 minutes before. (laughs) Um, Just a lot of things, so... (laughs) It's good that they were able to work together and get it through. Mm-hmm. After the launch, they had the the rover had to go to a safe mode, but it wasn't because they were scared of it like destroying itself or blowing like destroying like being like uh, eroded or destroyed like exploded or anything. They were just super cautious and want to be like more. Uh, uh, I guess um, what's the word? Basically, they they want everything to be like just right. They don't want to take any risks. Mm-hmm. The reason why it went into safe mode is because when it passed through the Earth's shadow, it got a lot colder than expected, so it put it back. It put into the safe mode. Mm-hmm. There was an update like yesterday. They it got it, it went back to normal operations, so it wasn't anything to worry about. Oh, it's, that's good. Yeah, so it's still on its way. It's projected to um, reach uh, the red planet Mars in six months. Uh, the trajectory to get there. Hmm. So it should reach it uh, <laughs> February 18th. Yeah, that makes me think of colonizing it. Like, if we travel there, it'd be a, kind of a fun trip. <laughs> it's not just a week trip or a day trip. It's it's a few months of travel. <laughs> Yeah, pack up like a bunch of cup noodles and <laughs> somehow cook your oatmeal in the outer space. Yeah. Uh, Bring some games on the way. Hopefully they have it at like cruise quality uh, accommodations. <laughs> yeah, so it's supposed to drill once it gets to the motion terrain. It's supposed to like drill out 2.4 inch deep samples and then mm-hmm. we'll be able to analyze it when it gets back. It has 23 cameras, two microphones, a zoom function. It's supposed to be uh, about 687 days on Mars. It's kind of cool. That's uh, all we have for a podcast. Yeah, it's still long. <laughs> I'm working on editing the podcast today. I had I started my second step. My first step is to make sure we don't clash and set... Uh, and the after the second step is to clean it up so we don't uh, sound dumb or have two big spaces in between. And yeah, I'm, I'm oh yeah, I did have uh, I did have one other topic I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. 
uh, an astronomy uh, thing. So they found the best place on Earth to put a uh, telescope. It's in the Antarctic Plateau. <laughs> it's supposed to have the clearest view on Earth to the stars at night and thinnest atmospheric pollution. It says it's supposed to be able to have a 10 to 15% increase when it's not too cold compared to other ones. It's at the highest. The uh, the other highest perform like observatories are in Chile and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So this one's going to be uh, above those. So yeah, that's uh, what I forgot. I think it's cool that they keep trying to get better perspectives from Earth. Mm-hmm. It's cool, better data, more um, witnesses, I guess, to work off for future observations on black holes and such. I like talking about those. <laughs> I wonder if they actually brought it there or if they're just thinking about it. Yeah, we don't know how far into uh, the development they are in planning or discovery and stuff (laughs) yep so that's it yeah so i am like 45 almost 46 minutes into (laughs) editing last podcast and right now we are about uh, one hour and 23 minutes (laughs) for this podcast and i have about uh, 40 more minutes left on the old one hopefully I could catch up. I want to catch up. Um, Hopefully post both episodes tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest in our productions. And yeah. (laughs) I started uh, sending links to people personally. But uh, yeah, if uh, you have listened to this and you're not one of those people that I send it personally, you could follow the podcast on the platforms that are displayed on the Anchor homepage. We're on most uh, podcast uh, apps. Thank you for listening. Awesome. Talk to you later. Yeah. Later.